and amen. I do want to take a moment before we jump into the message to mention um, water baptism to you. If you've not taken that step of faith yet to go public with your faith through water baptism, we want to encourage you to do it. And, and this morning, I just really felt impressed by the Lord just to, to share a little story about that. So I want to ask Leanne Fisher to come on up. This is an impromptu interview, by the way. This is not planned over the week. And so come on, let's give it up for Leanne. And this is just brave. Here you go. And listen, if I, don't, if I don't do well with the interview, she'll take over and preach the rest of the sermon, okay? So that's how it's going. No pressure for you. Okay. So anyway, I remember um, it, it was a little over a year ago, two years ago. It was November of 2016. Yeah, where, where Leanne took that step of faith to be water baptized. And I remember it was like a stretch for you. Why don't you tell them a little bit about some of the stuff um, that you were dealing with internally? Um, well, to get up in front of everybody and proclaim my faith was very, very hard for me to do. Um, it was, um, I was worried so much about what everybody else would think. Um, you know, I grew up in the church. I kind of went away from it. And um, I just kept hearing Wade in my head saying, you've got to take these next steps. You have I don't to know how I feel about that. But <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, then I was like, I'm so scared. Like, I don't want to get wet in front of everybody mess, my makeup, whatever. Um, but it came down to a lot of prayer and a lot of, I need to take this step for my family, for me. I need to be that example um, in the church and proclaim my faith to everyone and not be afraid. And it was one of the most amazing things that I ever experienced. The And then the weeks following that, it was just unbelievable as to what God shows you, what he, his heart opens up for you, um, for your family, for your church, and just, um, it, it's just beautiful. So what would you say to that person out there today that's like, that's contemplating, that's really in that valley of decision? What would you say to them just to encourage them this you morning? You have to just take that step. It's been an amazing journey. And just taking a step here and taking a step there um, with my faith, um, it shows you so many, so many incredible things. My, you know, my daughter, my oldest daughter, Aubrey, I was really worried. Like, she was not going to come and grow in the church. She made a couple of statements. We're like, mm, no, it's not for me. And by doing that, by coming to the services to listen and and. God speaks to your heart, and you know, okay, this is something that I have to do. And then she sees that. She's grown and seen these years and seen my journey, and now she is very active in the church. So it's, it's just it's such a blessing for you. Please just take the step. Don't be afraid about anybody else because everybody here loves you. Everybody here is family, and um, I have I've not felt anywhere else that's the love that I feel here so that's awesome so we just listen this is how we say it we we want to celebrate your your commitment to the Lord we want to celebrate your relationship with God give us that opportunity on Easter Sunday to shout and lift up the name of Jesus because you're taking that big step of faith I believe it's going to do some incredible things in your life and just as Leanne said also in your family so I encourage you today take that step of faith you can do it amen why don't you give a hand for Leanne thank you so much Thank you. Man, how you like that? Right there on the spot. She was like, I'll do it. That was awesome, man. Who's next? 
Well, it's good to be back today. Uh, we had a really refreshing weekend last weekend uh, being out, and now today we're back in getting ready for Easter. And uh, I want to continue on in our series, Red Letter Day. We're talking about some of the sayings of Jesus as he was being crucified. And just to recap r- real quick, week one, he, we talked about uh, the phrase, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and, and we summed it up saying that he turned, he turned his eyes away from Jesus so that he can look at us. He turned his eyes away from his only son so that he could save us. I think that's a pretty incredible thing. And then he gave us this promise that he would never leave us nor forsake us. How many of you are thankful that a God would never leave you nor forsake you? He knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And then last week, Aaron spoke about from the phrase, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And this was during the act of the crucifixion. While they were crucifying him, I want you to think of the audacity to make a phrase like, Father, forgive them because they don't realize what they are doing. And we really talked about this whole idea of being able to forgive others. And we could sum it up like this. Out of his unconditional love, forgiveness flows. And I know this, that if God's love fills our heart, we will be able to forgive others. Amen. We can forgive because we were forgiven. I know that could be a struggle. I encourage you to listen to that message. That was pretty powerful. And so today I want to go to the book of John chapter 19, verse 28 through 30. John 19, if you have your Bibles, you can go there. We'll have the words up on the screen. It says, Jesus knew that everything was now finished. And to fulfill the scriptures, and to, to, to fulfill the scripture said, I'm thirsty. And a jar of sour wine was sitting there. So a sponge was soaked in it and put on a hyssop branch and held up to his lips. And when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. That's such a powerful phrase. He said, it is finished. Let's keep reading. Let's jump over to Luke chapter 23, verse 39 through 43. It says, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Watch what he says. He says, prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for our opportunity to come together as a church. And Lord, welcome all of our guests and friends that are here with us today. And Lord, I just pray that as your word is spoken, as we share this message today, Lord, that that it's going to awaken some things in our heart. And first and foremost, it's going to awaken the idea that I need to be closer to you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use me today, Father, to be a voice, God, just to help people draw closer and closer to you. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to walk the aisles, every single aisle of this room, and just draw us, draw us closer and closer to Jesus. And let that relationship with him change our lives forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Did you know that studies have shown that the average number of words per day by women is about 20,000? I don't know if I should say that's a lot or what are we talking about here? 20,000. Now, hold on. The average number of words from a man in a day is 7,000. That's like almost three times as many. And right now, there's a bunch of guys just sitting there under their breath saying, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm not going to say anything to get you in trouble. So many words that are being said. and uh, There are also so many words that are being read. 
And there's a lot of words that are written, uh, screamed, even whispered. And words have meaning, watch this, but they don't always have effect. They have meaning, but they don't always have effect. You ever joked with someone before, and you, you were just just talking lightly, just joking around, and it had a whole lot more effect than what you thought. Like that person just like overreacted and thought like you were really coming hard at them. And really, you were just joking around. Then there are other times where you're really, really trying to be serious. Can I tell you, at my house, I try to have serious conversations at the dinner table with my family, and they just laugh at me. I'm telling you, it, it, I'm seriously trying to have like moments with my family, being intentional, and they just laugh. They're cracking up laughing, and I, I, I just get up and start doing dishes. I'm serious. I don't know what to deal it, and they think it's funny. They think, and Cynthia is right there with it, and you can talk to her about it. I've tried, and she just thinks it's quite hilarious. I'm trying to have serious, and they're just cracking up laughing. I don't know. Maybe I need to change my approach, but, but words mean different things to different people. And in these moments where Jesus is dying, there are certain words that are being spoken at these specific times. And I believe because of the timing of it and because of the words that are being spoken, it carries a lot more influence. It carries a whole lot more influence. I want you to imagine for a moment uh, someone's last words to you. Someone's last words to you. Those are usually words that you do not forget. It's such an intense moment and it's emotional, but in their last breaths as they're, as, they're, as they're saying these things to you, these typically are words that we hold on to and remember for the rest of our lives. In fact, we almost take them as a mission to make sure that we fulfill their wishes, their promises, and whatever it is that they may be saying to us because the moment is so significant and the words have so much more meaning because we know the reality is that I may not get to hear many more words from this person, so I really need to lock in and pay attention to what they're saying because what they're saying carries a lot of significance. Did you know that the King James Version of the Bible has 783,137 words? That's a lot of words. That's a lot. And many of you, think of this, many of us will never even remember most of what the Bible says. You'll memorize a few verses here and there. You hear them in church and you'll jot down the reference. But you're, you're probably not going to remember All 783,137 of those words. Some you'll remember, some you'll forget. And then they take it a step further in the Bible because they take the words of Jesus and they put them in red. You know you're a bad boy when your words in the Bible are in red. You know what I'm saying? Everybody else is just black and white, but boy, they get to Jesus, red. That's strong. It says this guy's got something to say that we need to pay attention to. They carry significance. And we're taking a a look at his last words. His last words before he dies. And these words carry a lot of significance. And so today I'm going to talk about the last words of Jesus. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to wrap up three mini sermons into one. So if you have afternoon plans, cancel them. (laughs) Not really. Let's jump in, okay? Three takeaways from Jesus' last words. The first phrase I want to look at is where he said... I thirst. I 
thirst. Now, let me give you a little context here before we get to this phrase, because a lot of times in our stories, uh, the way we have been presented stories throughout our lifetime, there's not always context given up front. And so we jump into the scene with a lot of the movies, and then the next movie that comes out, they go all the way back. You know what I'm saying? We, we, and so I want to really give you the context here. Jesus has been on this journey to crucifixion here for, for, for over a day now. And he has been beaten. He has been mistreated. I mean, he is really, really going through it at this point. And he's not eating. They're not taking a water break. Okay? Like, this is, this is really a, a, an intense moment of suffering that Jesus is going through. He's been carrying the cross. There's a lot of fatigue. There's a lot of blood loss at this point in time. And so, to hear Jesus say that he is thirsty literally becomes... Um, it's an understatement because the intensity of his struggle and his suffering is so great that the least that could be done for him is to give him something to drink. And now here he is as as the the crucifixion is unfolding. He, he, He says, I am thirsty. But I need you to see the context in which he says this. You see the context in, in, in what's happening to him but you may not understand why he's actually saying this. The reason that he says, I'm thirsty, actually, is because he wanted to fulfill the scripture. Now, this is mind-blowing to me because whenever I am in a moment of suffering and in intense pain, I'm not thinking of a lot of other things. I'm just thinking, I want some relief. Can I get a hand from anybody? Know what I understand. I mean, just like, don't talk to me right now. I love you. I like you. Yes, we can hang out later. But right now, I'm in pain. Leave me alone. Back off. And Jesus, in the moments of the most intense pain and suffering, he says, I thirst to the common person. We just think, well, of course you're thirsty. But he wasn't just thirsty for something physical. He was thirsty for something Spiritual. Think about that. Think about our lives and the things that we endure. And a lot of times it affects our body, it affects our emotions. But we don't always consider how it affects our spirit. And I think that there are a lot of people who are thirsty. And they're trying to drink this and they're trying to drink that. I'll have a little sip of this. I'll have a little sip of that. And none of it is satisfying the thirst. None of it is giving them the sufficiency that is needed to quench this thirst that they have. And there's many of us in here, we're trying different things, and we're drinking from those different cups, hoping that I'm going to be satisfied by drinking a little bit of this, drinking a little bit of that. And some of those things come in the shape of some really good things, but some of those come in the shape of some things that are destructing our life. That's literally bringing destruction into our lives and into our families. It's just a little sip, though, because we are, watch this, we are thirsty. I'm thirsty. He says, in order to fulfill the scriptures, he said, I'm thirsty. Jesus wasn't thirsty for something to satisfy a physical need, but to fulfill a spiritual purpose a spiritual purpose here's the first takeaway from this the first thing is we must live for a godly purpose most of the time we're living chasing our thirsts our hungers and our thirsts but we must live for a 
a godly purpose. Looking for a drink to satisfy. I think about the woman. There's a story in the Bible about this woman at the well who was drawing water every day. This was an everyday occurrence for her. This was their water supply. And Jesus made a comment to her. He said, if you will drink the water that I give, watch this. He said, you will never thirst again. If you drink the water from this well, from the well of life, you will never thirst again. I think that's so significant because he's trying to give a picture that there is spiritual purpose for our lives. And if we begin to drink from the cup of spiritual purpose, rather than just, watch this, physical pleasure, just kind of nudge your neighbor a little bit and just say, mm. Mm. don't want to get too fired up today. It's supposed to rain after a while. Okay. If we drank from the cup of spiritual purpose, perhaps we would experience fulfillment. Perhaps we would experience what it means to truly be satisfied. He said, if you are thirsty, this is John 7, 37. If you're thirsty, come to me and drink. If you're thirsty, and I think sometimes we're drinking from the wrong cup. Let's drink from the cup of his purpose. Now watch this, because a lot of people say, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And I think God puts a sense inside of each of us that we know the one thing right now that we need to do. Perhaps it's forgiving someone. Perhaps that's why we can't experience fulfillment and satisfaction because there's someone we need to forgive. Perhaps it's a need to repent because of some sin in our lives. We have gotten fulfillment from this activity or this thing and we kept going back to it over and over and it's not satisfying us. And perhaps it's a moment where we say, I need to repent and ask for God's forgiveness in this area of my life so that I can taste and see that he is good. What are we drinking? What cup are we drinking from? I encourage you today to drink from the cup of purpose. See, whenever you start mentioning this, there's this sense inside of each of us that makes us begin to search. And the first place that we have to search is our heart. Because there are steps that we need to take, just like Leanne mentioned a few moments ago. There are things that we know that we need to be doing. There are things that we know we need to stop. And there are things we know we need to start. I encourage you today. Start doing what you know you're supposed to do and stop doing what you know you're supposed to stop. Amen. Can we just preach that? It's simple. Start what you're supposed to start and stop what you're supposed to stop. You can tweak that. You can share that with your friends. You can tell a neighbor that today. It's good stuff. Okay. Here's the second phrase I'm going to hit. The second phrase that he says is today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. And right now there are visions in our mind of beaches, umbrellas. You know what I'm saying? Just this calm, serene, beautiful water. And I need you to know heaven is a lot more than that. Amen. It's hard to interpret heaven by looking at earth. Heaven is so much better. Amen. It's so much better. And he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. So Jesus, who is an innocent man, who has committed no wrong, is being crucified between two guilty men, two thieves. And one of the criminals makes this statement. He says, if you're really the son of God, if you're really the son of God, do you remember hearing that also when Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days? There's three different temptations from, from the devil. 
And he saw them all like this. If you're really the son of God, do this. If you're really the son of God, do that. If you're really the son of God, do this. And now here he is again. And he's dying for our sins on the cross. And there's another temptation that he must face. Even in the middle of fulfilling, watch this, his spiritual purpose. You would think that people would just leave the man alone. Am I right? I'm trying to do something for the Lord here. And right in the middle of it, if you really are the son of God, why don't you come down from the cross? In fact, why don't you save us too? This is what this guy is saying. And so Jesus is faced with another temptation because if he really wanted to, he could call angels down from heaven and they're going to get him right off the cross and he could carry on with his life and live happily ever after. But yet he would not fulfill his godly purpose. Be careful for running from your pain. Come on. Sometimes you just got to run right through it. And remember that God's a healer. If you are the son of God, save yourself. Watch this. In other words, forfeit eternity for something right now. Forfeit all of heaven for something that feels better right now. This was the temptation. And this is the temptation that you and I face every day. Every time we are tempted with something, it's forfeit something good for something now. Forfeit something with purpose for something, for a moment of pleasure. And this is really where Jesus is. And it's in the context of two thieves sitting on the side, hanging on the cross right along with him, and really, really challenging who he is. If you really are the Son of God. If you really are following Jesus. If you really are a believer. If you really are a Christian. Prove it. Do something big to prove And God is just saying, be faithful. That's how you know. The enemy always wants you to come in and say, do something big, bring a big splash. And God's just saying, be faithful, be faithful. And really being faithful is just one step after another. It's not huge. It's just one step after another. That's why that water baptism step, it's just another step for you. But it's huge. Why? Because it affects so many things. It's not a jump. It's a step. And what is our call? Just keep stepping. That's called a walk of faith. So I think it's interesting that the other criminal comes to Jesus' defense. Two guys, one guy's like, oh, save us, save yourself. And the other guy's like, do you even fear God? Like, do you realize what's happening right now? We are being crucified with an innocent man. And you want to talk trash to Jesus? (laughs) Don't do that. Like, it's already bad. Don't make it worse. How many of y'all got, you know somebody like that? They just say stuff at the wrong time. Like, stop it. I remember back in school, there was always that one person that said something that called, or on a sports team, that one person that, that just ran their mouth a little bit too much, and next thing you know, the whole team's got to run. How many of you had to run extra because of somebody else? How many of you are still running extra because of somebody else? Listen, fellas, when you're shopping with your wives at the mall, Go to the Great American Cookie Company. Get her a cookie and a soft drink and get you one too and have a seat and enjoy the ride. How many of y'all believe that's good wisdom right there? At least you're getting a cookie out of it. Amen. That's good. Just throwing that out there. Okay, okay. Let's go back to this. Yes, the other thief, do you even fear God? And when I read that, I thought of this verse in Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
And really, this thief is questioning the other guy's wisdom. Like, you have no wisdom saying anything like that right now. Shh. And he didn't realize that in that moment, he was exhibiting some faith. Because he admits that he has done wrong. While he's defending Jesus, he admits that he has done wrong, which is the confession of his sins. And the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive them. And on this cross, this criminal is dying and he deserves it. He confesses his sin before the Lord. And then he says, remember me. Remember me. He's confessing his sins and he says, Jesus, remember me when you go into your kingdom. And Jesus is like, you're going to be with me in paradise today. That means you're coming with me. You're coming with me. And can I just encourage you today that if there's sin in your life, confess your sin to the Lord. God can handle what you need to tell him. He said, but you don't understand. I've done some really bad stuff. He already knows. There were so many times in my life where I was trying to come clean with my parents and tell them, you know, mom, I just love you. Looking beautiful today. A little something I need to tell you. And they look at you like what you want, but I already know. That look, I don't know how to do it because I'm not a mom, but moms have that look. They develop it. It's a spiritual gift, I think. And then you tell them, and they're like, oh, I already knew that. And then you're conflicted because you thought, well, if you already knew, you didn't use your usual engagement-like techniques of discipline. You didn't do anything like what, do, what, what does a kid have to do to get some discipline these days? <laughs> hey, that's a true statement right now. Don't make me preach on parenting. Okay. It's like, Mom, I did this wrong. She's like, I already knew. Just the weight that's lifted off of us because of that confession. Can I just say this? Take this the right way. Some of us are carrying around some weight that we don't need to carry. We're carrying some things that we shouldn't be carrying. And watch this. It's wearing us out. It's wearing us out. Can't even lift our hands before the Lord and say, God, I am wrong. I need your help. And this is the exact place that God wants us to be. If you're here today and your heart is heavy and your heart is full of sin, God's been waiting. He's ready and waiting for you to come and say, Lord, I have sinned and I am wrong. Remember me when you are in your kingdom. And he said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. So here's, here's the big point. Don't miss out on God's promises. Don't miss out on God's promises. Nothing on earth can give me what heaven promises. Remember this. Nothing on earth can give me. Nothing in the immediate moment where I'm facing that temptation where I just feel like I gotta have it, I gotta have it, gotta do it, I can't resist. That cannot give me what heaven promises for me. This is called living for eternity. And a lot of times we're so serious about the moment because we don't want to miss the moment because we want to create the memory that we're living in a rearview mirror trying to hold on to right now. 
and when we're trying to hold on to right now, I feel like we miss what God has for us. That we no longer live for heaven, but we live for the immediate moment. And we miss heavenly opportunities that God puts in our place. Can I say this with our families? While we're trying to create earthly moments, let's not miss some heavenly moments that God has laid out in your path for you and your family. Let's not miss the heavenly things that God has laid out along the way. Because in the moment, we're trying to do something so meaningful and so significant that we miss what God has for us. You want to talk about something your kids will never forget? They'll never forget the day that you lift your hands and you say yes to Jesus. They'll never forget the day that you choose to forgive that person that you held a grudge against all of your life. They'll never forget the day that you went public with your faith. They'll never forget the day that you sat there and prayed with them to get through that that struggle that they were going through. They will never forget that stuff, but they will forget certain things that we tried to spend all the money on and make so beautiful. They'll forget their fifth birthday where you went crazy trying to turn it into this world Pinterest party. They will forget it. And you'll be mad at them. I tried so hard to please you. Do you know what we went through to make that party happen? They're like, no, but I just wanted a pony and you didn't give me one. (laughs) Don't miss out on God's promises. And let's not let our families miss out on the promises of God too. Amen. God's got some great things for us. But so many times we're missing it because we're looking at moments now instead of looking at what God has for us. This guy, this thief on the cross, all he could see was, give me relief. And God, Jesus was like, look, I didn't come from relief. I came for salvation. came to save. Relief lasts for a moment. But hey, if you're dying, eventually you die. But if I save you, you live forever. Come on, this is the power of the gospel. Don't forfeit all of eternity for something right now. Ecclesiastes says that eternity was planted in our heart, but the temptation for immediate pleasure has led us to sin that separates us from an eternity with God. And literally that, that, that temptation leads us to the place of hell. And a lot of people are like, don't talk about hell. It sounds so bad. It sounds so mean. And I don't want God to send nobody to hell. God doesn't send people to hell. People choose to go there because they choose to pay for their own sins. It's true. God's sitting there saying, come to heaven. I'm sending out invitations every day. Come to our heavenly party. Will you please come? He keeps sending it out all the time. And we're just like, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know. I got a lot I want to do. I'm busy. I got things. And God's like, come to the heavenly party. Come on. And the invitation is extended to all of us. And Jesus is saying, I want you forever with me in heaven because we are going to throw a big party. And we don't like talking about that at church because our image of party is like crazy stuff. But I need you to know it's a good party going on in heaven. Because the Bible says when one sinner repents, all of heaven rejoices. They're up there high-fiving whenever people are giving their life to the Lord. They're high-fiving when people are worshiping. They're high-fiving saying, look at this guy lifting his hands from church for the first time. They're like, he finally did it. They're high-fiving. Look at this little kid praying. Did you hear what he prayed? Six-year-old kid praying for his dad to come back to Jesus. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Let's get to work on this. Are, are you grabbing this today? There's an invitation that's going out. And Jesus is saying, I want you for eternity. Are we living for eternity? Living like we want heaven. The anticipation. I can't wait to go to the party. It's going to be epic. Can we still say that word? 
I just did. Okay. Here's the last phrase. He said, it is finished. Such powerful words right there. It is finished. I want to reach out to every person right now who's going through something. And it's been a while. And you're waiting for the moment where you can say, it is finished. It's done. It's over. Jesus, after all the pain and suffering, it sounds, it can sound like it's finally all about to end. But it's so much more. Miss Tony, you can come play. Y'all laughing like, you're right. <laughs> like we got a lot more to go. I'm running out of words on my paper. I'm a guy I only had 7,000. Anyway. <laughs> I just feel like I'm on point today. That vacation did me some good, man. I might take another one. There's, this sounds like it's about to end. But it's so more, so much more, because it's not just that this crucifixion event is over. When you look at it just from the angle of suffering and pain and all the different things that they are doing to Jesus, for us, it's like, finally, thank God this is coming to an end because this is too much. Like, they are overdoing it to crucify Jesus. Like, it would be easy to come to that conclusion that they're overdoing it to crucify him. But it's not just that the crucifixion event is over, but the price for the forgiveness of our sin is finally paid. That the last payment for this great debt is finally paid, and now we're no longer in debt. And, and I don't, I don't, we're so used to living in a world that's in debt that we don't know the, the, the excitement that comes from finally paying it off. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't know if we're just, well, you know, the car's got a bunch of miles, so we just got to go ahead and finance another one. And so, you know, the debt in my eyeballs, you know, here we go. The life we live. But the debt of sin was paid once and for all. That means that there is no other need for another sacrifice to be made to pay the price for the sins of mankind because Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the innocent, spotless Lamb of God that comes and pays the ultimate price for all sins, past, present, and future. That's how significant his life was, that it pays for all sins and all time because he is greater than time itself. This is so powerful that we grab this. And so when he says it is finished, it means Jesus has finished what he was born to do, to give his life for us. And I want you to notice that he did not say, I am finished. But he said, it is finished. Because the work that he has begun, he is faithful to finish it in you until the day of his return. Is anybody getting fired up in this place? He's not finished with you. He finished the price for, for the sins and now he says, now we can really get to work. 
Now we can get to work because we got the junk out of the way. How about we start shaping this man, shaping this woman, shaping this child to do something significant. Watch this to go back to point number one, to live with a spiritual purpose. We're paying the price for giving into the temptation of our pleasure for most of our life. And it's keeping us from spiritual purpose. There will be people here, watch this, that will feel too guilty to invite somebody to an Easter service. You'll feel like, I can't. And watch this, I'll I'll give you the process of thinking. It would just be hypocritical of me to invite them to come. Because I just, I I got some things myself I need to work on. If I invite them, it's gonna give the appearance that I got it all together. No, it's gonna give the appearance that Jesus has it all together. And we all need him. And why would we forfeit giving someone a chance to experience him? Because we're still trying to pay the price for the sins of our pleasure when he's already paid the price. Think about it. Hey, I know this bill is paid off, but I was just wondering, can I make another payment? Try that. Pay off your mortgage. And then a month later, give them a call. Hey, I enjoyed paying for that thing so much. Can I pay another one? Can you put me back on a payment plan? I felt like my budget was so much more structured. We're not saying that. You're going to buy a boat. Come on, can I hear an amen in here? Who's going to buy the boat? Can I ride? Because I got kids and we got to pay for braces and stuff. It is finished means that the price has been paid for our forgiveness, meaning that Jesus paid the ultimate price when he said it is finished I believe this is one of the most significant things that he could say because it marks an end but it also marks a new beginning it's the end of the debt and it's the beginning of freedom for the person who has a past it sets up your new beginning For the person who is enduring suffering, it says it won't be like this forever. Jesus is basically saying, I'm taking care of this separation between you and God by laying down my life. And he overcomes sin so that we can have a relationship with God. Think of this. It was all the way since the Garden of Eden in the very beginning that man sinned it separated us from God it was a long time between the garden and taking the fruit from that tree to sin to the point to where a man will give his life on a tree to pay the price to forgive that sin and maybe as you're sitting here today there's a lot of contemplating going on in your mind because it makes you wonder am I living with a spiritual purpose or am I just trying to fulfill some pleasures it makes us wonder am I really living for eternity or am I just living up the moment it makes us wonder am I trying to pay the price for my sins by just being a good person you can be good but that doesn't mean you're godly amen there's a lot of good people but that doesn't mean that they are godly good means I'm going to try really hard to not be bad 
and I won't get any of the rewards of God. I won't get any of the promises because it's all dependent upon me. But when I'm truly living this out according to God's way, my sins could be forgiven and now I can focus my life on heaven because I don't have to focus my life on fixing my mess ups because he's already paid the price for it. You say, well, what about the consequences? You do have to deal with your consequences. You do. But I believe God gives you wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Remember, do you even fear God? That's what, he t- that's what the thief told the other thing. Do you even fear God? God will give you wisdom to deal with the consequences of your sin. But the price for it is paid. So now I can live with a spiritual purpose. I can be the person, finally, that I was created to be. Maybe as you're sitting here today, you feel stuck. Maybe you feel trapped, and you're not sure how you got there. I don't know either, but I know that he came to set the captives free. And we'd like you to bow your heads, close your eyes this morning. If you're sitting here today and hearing this message, if you know that you are away from God, maybe you've been running. Perhaps you're that person that has that church background. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you've just been in neutral. Haven't been pursuing the Lord. Just kind of been still. But you find yourself in a place that I'm not where I should be. Perhaps you have no church background. Perhaps you've never even heard the good news about Jesus. But sitting here today, you realize that this man Jesus paid price for your sins, for your wrongdoings when you didn't even know it and to know that he would be willing to do that for you and to know that he opens an invitation to you to spend eternity with him in heaven it draws you in he is the way to heaven there is no other way to heaven but through him and if you're here today and you say I need to commit my life once and for all to Jesus, allow him to forgive my sins give me that new beginning. I need to allow him to be my savior and not just my helper but my savior. Allow him to pay the debt of my sins. If that's you with no one moving around, no one looking, would you just slip up a hand real quick and you could slip it right back down. If that's you, we see you. Yes, anyone else? Anyone else this morning say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. Maybe you're a young person here. Anyone else? I'm not where I need to be with the Lord been running. Today is time to come home. It's time to come home. Every Sunday morning, we get the privilege of praying this prayer. This never gets old. This is one of the most powerful prayers to pray where a person will commit their life to Jesus. And I think it's so incredible that we as a church family get to join you in that prayer. I just want to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. And I ask you to mean it with all your heart. Truly believe what we're praying. I believe that God will save you. Say, dear Lord, thank you for loving me the best, even when I was at my worst. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay for my sins. All the things that I've done wrong, the things I didn't realize I was doing, and the willful decisions I made to do those wrong things as well. And I ask you to forgive me and make me a new person to come and be the Lord of my life choose today to surrender all of me to you and to follow your ways 
I commit to living for you no matter what. I'm living for heaven. And I thank you that you've invited me and that you have a purpose for my life. And I dedicate my life today to living for your purposes. I ask for your help. I ask you to make it plain and clear. I choose to live my life your way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. Every person that prayed that prayer today.